And he said, hmm, well, sure, I'm so sorry. Now I'm beginning to realize that we're not the right person to play this role. And my heart was almost melting. I, I thought, why? 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 What's, what's, the, what's the problem? Somebody should have told me, woman, your pantsuit is the problem. What were you thinking? <laughs> You're listening to my life in movies. You've given us a list of some of the most influential movies in your life. We asked you for this list to try and get to know you a little bit better. So we're going to kind of move chronologically, if that sounds good. By all means, yes. Well, why don't we start with your earliest movie memory? Well, my earliest movie memories starts with all the movies that we mostly watched on television. We kept watching all those American post-war movies. Europe was was in danger of annihilation, and at the end of the films, either an American tank or an American plane would appear, and us, children at home, would applause and say, Americans are here to save them. My brothers and I watched film after film, movie after movie, to see what happened in Europe during the Second World War and how Americans came to help them and save them. Well, tell me a little bit about that time for you, that early time in Iran. Do you mind setting the stage a little bit about where you grew up? We used to call Tehran the Paris in the Middle East, and it looked like Paris at a certain time, with all those beautiful buildings being built, skyscrapers, cinemas, theaters, music was thriving in Iran. It was unbelievable. I would say 60s and 70s, the best, best decades. We had a great relationship with the world, especially with the United States of America. It's interesting. When I was a teenager, this movie came out called Mamal Amrikai. Muhammad, the American, was a young man from the Islam area. And all he had in mind, all he wished for, all his dreams were to go to the United States and become somebody, which reminds me a lot of Marlon Brando's line, I could have been somebody. So Mama wants to go to America to become somebody. That's how Iran used to be. We had beautiful movie theaters. I remember we watched this film at a theater called Paramount. It was three to five because the kids only could go to the matinees. We couldn't go to the evening shows. And I still remember the day we, we watched this memorable, amazing, witty, and funny movie, The Naughty Professor. Seven weeks and 13 experiments have gone by with little or no strides made. But today I'm certain my formula will work. So certain that I plan trying it on myself tonight. It was truly breaking all the stereotypes that I had in mind of the professors in general. I noticed and I learned that 
professors do not necessarily need to be mean looking or too serious or somber. They could be witty, they could be funny, they could make me happy. And in fact, I should say that it was this film that made me to pursue higher education and study in the US. I still remember most of the scenes in this movie, and especially when we used to wear different colors of success. And it was just incredible. And one was green, the other one was red. And you could barely care about these things. Yeah. It takes the pompous out of higher education, I guess. Beautifully put. He taught me that I shouldn't be afraid of the professors. I was already afraid of my teachers at the school in Iran. They were pretty serious. In the Middle East, especially in Iran, higher education is compulsory. My mother used to get us aligned, uh, I first and then my three brothers, and she would say, my doctor, my engineer, my doctor, my engineer. That's what all they accept. They don't accept below. Unless you want to become a lawyer, then they will be happy. But other than that, doctor or engineer, but with a naughty professor, I could easily identify with one of those students lucky enough to have him as a professor. I, I owe this to Jerry Lewis. I have always said that I feel there should be a closer interrelationship between the student and the faculty based on better learning. Yet at the same time, I'm sure you're aware that the Purple Pit is off limits to the faculty of the university. Didn't you know that, Ms. Party? With the success of the naughty professors, the investors in the Iranian cinema, they noticed that Jerry Lewis has millions of fans in Iran. So immediately we started uh, watching Jerry Lewis's movies on the Iranian television. And uh, we, we acted out each and every one of them. Did you ever play Jerry Lewis? Exactly. I did. I did. <laughs> and I met with him on a bus while trying to get on a plane. Uh, we were in, uh, my husband and I, we were in Chicago. We get on the bus to get to the plane. And there he was. We both looked at him. And I said, Iranians love you. He smiled and, and he said, nice to hear that. <laughs> hey, you got a smile from Jerry Lewis. Moving to one of their movies of significance, do you mind setting up the next one for us? Gone with the Wind. I was 16 years old in the Caspian Sea. We were staying at my uncle, my mother's brother. In the weekends, my uncle took us to see a movie. It was the first weekend that we were there and we went to see Gone with the Wind. I learned so much about courageous women who started building this country single-handedly, which I called that era Women Without Men, when a scarlet starts planting potatoes, when a scarlet starts making a beautiful dress out of the curtains of her estate, that gave me a lot of courage. God is my witness, they're not going to lick me. I'm going to live through this, and when it's all over, I'll never be hungry again. What an amazing story. Before that, I used to watch a lot of Iranian films as well, but this one took me to bigger places, I was so captured that when we went for the interval, I took the opportunity and I told my mother, Ma, you see this film? I want to become an actress and I want to act like Scarlett. 
And that's when she told me, forget about acting while under our roof. Your father would never allow that. So Vivian Lee's performance of Scarlet was the direct influence on you? Absolutely. Vivian Lee affected me in a right way, wanting to become an actor, wanting to be a courageous woman, wanting to make decisions for myself, and believing tomorrow. And this was purely an American gift, because unfortunately, Middle Easterners are very much into the past. Like, if I had not done this, if I would bought that land, when your parents are like that, always in, into the past, it inevitably makes you feel like, oh, when I was two years old, I should have done this or that. But for the first time in my life, I heard, never mind the past. You're living today. Think about tomorrow, because tomorrow is going to be another day. Don't look back, Ashley. Don't look back. It drags at your heart till, till you can't do anything but look back. Were you particularly interested in education at a young age? I was very much so. I should tell you, I thought that I'm going to study medicine. And I was on my way. My father had already talked to a friend of his who was a doctor. And my father wanted me to live with his family and start studying in Germany. But then I met with a gentleman who was truly an intellectual. He asked for my hand and I said, I would love to marry you, but I have to tell you the truth. My father is sending me to Germany to become a doctor. I don't want to become a doctor. I want to become an actress. He was silent for, for a minute. He just, he was studying me. And then he said, I don't see anything wrong with becoming an actor. What does your father think? And I said, it's almost impossible. And he said, I would love to marry you and let you become an actress. Really? He did. Oh my gosh. That's so romantic. And when would you consider you started your acting career? I started my acting career right after I was married, of course, because the acting was frowned upon at my father's house. So I started acting at the age of 20. Was this around the time when you worked with Abbas Kiarostami? My first film was with Abbas Kiarostami. His first feature and my first film ever. Yeah, yeah, incredible. It was an amazing, amazing experience. Oh no, first I have to tell you about our meeting. Please. Kiarostami had already told my husband that he would want me to play a role in his film called The Report. All he needed was to have a cup of tea with me and to talk to me about the character. So we decided to see each other in a coffee shop rather than uh, at home for some odd reasons. I don't know why. I wore a celopet, a um, pantsuit, red sateen from Paris. I wore a headband and I wore my lieges and I went to Cartier Latin to have tea with Mr. Kiarostami. I said, hi, and sat down and he looked at me and he said, hmm, well, sure, I'm so sorry. Although I, I suggested that you could play this role, but now I'm beginning to realize that we're not a right person to play this role. And my heart was 
almost nothing. I, I thought, why, why, why? What's the, what's the what's the problem? Somebody should have told me, woman, your pantsuit is the problem. <laughs> what were you thinking? And I said, Mr. Kirsten, what's wrong? What's wrong? He tried to be very polite and uh, politically correct. So it's well, I'm afraid you're too thin for this role. And I said, that's all. Uh, yes, and you know you're not you're not a girl. The girl comes from a poor family, but you've lived a fairly good life coming from an affluent family. Maybe it's not a right idea for you to play this role. But I didn't listen to him. I said, I I, I can add weight. I can add weight. At the same time, I, said, <laughs> I called the waiter and said, please bring me puff pastries, five of them. <laughs> I was determined to play this role. It wasn't even before Kiarostami, it was becoming Kiarostami. But I love the idea of portraying the life of this poor woman who marries in order to have a better life. So I wanted to play this role because it didn't look like me. It wasn't me. That's what I told Kiarostami. And he said, oh, really? I said, yes, because she's not me. It's easy to play me. By that time, the five pastries were on the table. I started eating and I finished all of them. And I said, when I go home, I'm going to have rice and kebab. And he gave it to me. Years later, he told me, he gave it to me for my cart. Mm. Oh, that's nice to hear. He knew that I was not going to ruin this character. And he was willing to take the risk. <laughs> when we started working on the first day, Kirsten came, I, I was in the back room trying to get myself uh, familiar with how to take care of the two-year-old actor who was playing my daughter. I was playing with her, you know, trying to make her get used to me. Kirastami came and said, that's a very good idea. You are an actor by nature. Yes, she should get to know you. If I were you, I would give her food and I would wash her. And I said, I'll do all of these things. By all means, I would love to. I want her to feel comfortable in my arms. While he was turning around, he said, and don't forget, you don't need to act. I am really interested if you care to elaborate on this moment where you felt like you wanted to leave Iran and your first husband wanted to stay. Do you mind kind of explaining a little bit more about that scenario? What happened was during the turmoil, the first demonstration happened. And I went to the demonstration, hundreds of thousands of people. This was truly the first and the last sort of nationalistic demonstration in Iran during the turmoil. When we got to the square, we were supposed to listen to our prime minister, Shapur Bakhtiar. He started with a poem saying that we hope the one who has left us is in peace. And all of a sudden, somebody said, this poem is about the bloody Shah. Mm. All of a sudden, the sky was filled with stones. Muslim fanatics would come to the demonstrations. They had brought stones with them, and they started stoning us. One of them hit my head, and it started bleeding. I felt it in my left eye, and I felt that bitter taste in my mouth. I went with my childhood friend. So the two of us started running away from the square, going to the back alleys. We noticed that the government had put ambulances on the streets. I got into one, got 12 stitches, went home, and I started crying. And I told my husband, there is no place for me here anymore. 
Why is this happening to us? I don't understand this. I want to leave. And maybe if I get out, if I get myself educated, maybe there and then I would be able to help my people. He said that he is Iranian. He is a painter. He gets his inspirations from colors of carpets and fruits, the Damavand mountain. I won't be able to live abroad, but I'm not going to make you stay. If you want to leave, I will help you leave. Let's hit on one of your next movies of significant influence. I watched Magnolia in a movie theater. What an amazing film. After it was finished, I came out and I started walking towards my car. And I thought, this must be one of the most profound films I have ever seen in my life. This man, who's abandoned his son ages ago, is now dying. The whole dynasty is almost on the verge of getting destroyed forever, for good. And these are all because of one man's deed. I don't want to do this. Sit here. I can see the things, you know. It's getting there. That's a He is now a man who is devastatingly sick and on the verge of dying, is now meeting up with his karma. Wow. I've never heard it described in such an eloquent way as a the fall of a dynasty of a family. What was going on in your life when you saw this movie? Tell us a little bit of about what was going on for you. With Magnolia, I was already outside Iran. I was educated. I got my BA. I was at that age trying to find my place. I need to know what I want to do for this world. You know, Buddha says that for every construction, we need to go through a thorough deconstruction. And I was going through a deconstruction in my life. In, in what way do you mean a deconstruction? Meaning to accept that I was no longer in Iran. And at the same time, I was suffering from anxiety attacks. I was missing the serenity in my hometown in Tehran. And I was disheveled more than anything else with this exodus and trying to detach from the past and make a future for myself. With such deep introspection going on, it it seems to really coincide well with the themes that are being explored in the movie. They're all trying to deal with the past, with a rotten tomato that got lost. And now they need to talk about it, sort it out, in order to be able to live a normal life. And the book says we may be through with the past, but the past is not through with us. And were you at all thinking about your career? Because there are a lot of industry elements to Magnolia. I was just kind of curious if those aspects of the film resonated with you or made you think about your acting career. Not really, to be honest with you. No, at that time, I was heavily involved in theatrical work. My second husband, whom I have been living with for 33 years now, is a playwright. And this is how we started. I went to a couple of auditions and I noticed that I'm not really the girl next door. So I told my husband, I said, why are we waiting for others to hire us? Why don't you write a play and we'll take it on tour and we'll see what happens. There are so many Iranians abroad. I'm sure they would like to see a Farsi-speaking play. Our first play was The Sweet Scent of Love. 
we took tours around Europe, Canada, Australia, US two times. We bought our first house with this play. And around what year was this? This was uh, exactly 1990. Okay. All right. I guess transitioning to your to the last movie on your list, do you mind setting that up for us? Parasite. film. Wise, clever, a mixture of Eastern philosophy, Western psychology. It was an amazing film. In one sentence, the rise of the proletariat. Throughout centuries, we kept watching these people working hard for us, but we ignored their existence. We ignored their well-being. We never asked, where do you live? How is the condition of your living? Do you live in a dungeon? We never asked those questions. Therefore, when I was watching the film, I thought, we deserve this. <laughs> Hell yeah. Obviously, they're going to rise. Obviously, they're going to destroy my family and my dynasty. Hattie McDaniel's revenge. Exactly. The scene that the guy with broken head banging his head against the box of the electricity so it would cut off so people would notice something is going on in the dungeon. Take that scene metaphorically for all the people who are banging their heads and we're not paying any attention. We're so much involved in our problems. Perhaps again, another warning cry of success without connection, without love. I'm also curious about your concept of class. The things that you've been expressing seem to point out the dangers of class divides, but I was wondering what your concept of class was like in Iran and how it's evolved. Class in Iran was such an important thing. You are from a certain family. You're not supposed to talk or go out or mingle with certain people. These people are beneath you. You are from this family, this dynasty. They're not from a dynasty. They're from a slum area. But for some odd reasons, I was not interested in my rich friends. I was interested in the daughter of our helper, Mariam. She was like my nanny. She had a daughter and she used to bring her to our house while she was taking care of me. Her daughter was my best friend. The girls in the family were spoiled, nasty, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna type. But this one was so nice and we played for hours, you know. It was an amazing, amazing experience being her friend. At the school, again, all my friends were either from poor areas or sometimes couldn't even afford dinner. I, I enjoyed talking to them more than spoiled kids, to be honest with you. <laughs> is, is it safe to say that... You felt somewhat maybe trapped by expectations of class and gender if you had stayed in Iran? I would definitely be trapped by stereotyped and gender. And oh my God, I don't know what would have happened to me of my contemporaries in Iran. None of the actors were allowed to act ever after the revolution in Iran. When I think about if I had stayed in Iran, I think that I would have most probably committed suicide. Not being able to do anything, not being able to do something that is right for your society. It's interesting that, well, more than interesting, maybe telling that the only Iranian filmmakers that we know of, like Abbas Kurstami in the West, are men. Perhaps there was 
more flexibility for the men that stayed. But if you had stayed, it would be nearly impossible to work in Iran. Is that a fair assumption? Absolutely. It's not even an assumption. My friends are going through it now. Okay. It seems like these early films that you've mentioned, Gone with the Wind, were real motivators for you to connect with who you really were. Absolutely. This is what I kept telling my mother, God rest her soul. She kept telling me, why did you decide to do this? And I'm like, when are you going to accept that I was born an actor? And it was my ancestors who taught me acting. I learned from the movies. It shaped my personality. It shaped my thoughts. I'm still doing it. It's every time I watch a movie, I learn from it. I get my inspirations from the movies. I learn my lessons from the movies. I literally live in the movies, with the movies, while watching them, thinking if I had played this role, I would have done this or that. So I'm a true product of the film industry. It's been wonderful speaking with you. Thank you. Likewise, Joey. Thank you again for your time. We really appreciate it. And it's been really fun. This series was produced by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. 